Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, and welcome to It's a Fandom Thing. I'm your host, Erin Marlowe, and each week I'm joined by a panel of guests to discuss all things fandom and pop culture, primarily from a female perspective. You'll find everything from fanfic, to cosplay, to Schitt's Creek, to Supernatural, and everything in between. So put on your favorite piece of fandom merch, set aside that fanfic that you're writing about your OTP, and sit back and enjoy this week's episode. So hello and welcome to It's a Fandom Thing and our continuing celebration of Christian effing Bale. And we are talking about 310 to Yuma. So welcome, welcome to my lovely panelists, Carla from Bedwetter Behead Pod and Paula, my co-host from our upcoming podcast, It's a Dean Thing. Hey, both of you. Hello. 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 And welcome to the Wild Wild West. Um, <laughs> wild Wild West. That song? That 80s song? Yeah, no, I have that in my head. Thank you. <laughs> it replaces Hey Dude. Nope. No. Nothing can replace Hey no. Dude. <laughs> They're going to fight for dominance in my brain now. <laughs> oh, well, I am going to, before we start talking about 310 to Yuma, I want to just give you a little bit of info. And this is from IMDb about what this is about. So 310 to Yuma from 2007, which was directed by James Mangold and written by Halstead Wells, Michael Brandt, and Derek Haas. And it's based on the short story by Elmore Leonard. And this is about a small-time rancher who agrees to hold a captured outlaw who's awaiting a train to go to court in Yuma. A battle of wills ensues as the outlaw tries to psych out the rancher. <laughs> it stars Russell Crowe as Ben Wade, who is the outlaw. Christian Bale as Dan Evans, who is the rancher. Ben Foster as Charlie Prince, who is Ben Foster. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just saying that because this is such a Ben Foster role. Just like, it is. Just like last week, Jeremy Davies was playing very much a Jeremy Davies role. So that's why I said that. Logan Lerman as William Evans, who is Dan Evans' son. Dallas Roberts as Grayson Butterfield. Peter Fonda as Byron McElroy. Alan Tudyk as Doc Potter. And then a bunch, oh, Gretchen Mall as Alice Evans, who is Dan's wife. And a bunch of other people. I'm going to stop there. And yes, so I'm excited to talk about this. I'm not going to go into any kind of trivia here, except for to say, if you want to hear whether we bed this character of Christians, Dan Evans, whether we wed him or whether we behead him, even though it would be so cruel with how viciously, spoilers, by the way, for this movie, how viciously he is killed in this movie, it would be very cruel of us to do that. But we could have beheaded him still. So go. Listen You'll to, never know unless you go and listen. Yeah, go listen to Bedwetter Behead. 
Pod and the characters we played with for Christian Bale was Dan Evans and then his character from Public Enemies, can't remember his name, and then John Preston from Equilibrium. So we're going to be talking about Public Enemies next week. So just to let you know, so go listen to that. But let's stop talking about that, about what we're going to bed and wed and behead. And instead, (laughs) let's go to the dusty, (laughs) unwashed masses in this movie. Let's think the stench. Oh, my God. I know. (laughs) Talk about setting the scene. That's what I always think when I watch these. I'm like, oh, my gosh, the smell, especially when they have blood on them and they haven't wiped it off. And I'm like, holy crap, that stench must be. Mm. A lot to take in. <laughs> and there's never a bathroom break, so you gotta wonder about that. That's true. Oh my god. Well, now I do. I didn't before. <laughs> I'm happy to help. I'm sure all our listeners and viewers are loving this so far. <laughs> but we're gonna start off with talking about Christian Bale's character and his performance, because we always want to start these episodes that way, because We're all about Bale. We're all about Christian this month. So, Carla, you chose this movie for us to cover, I want to say. This was Carla's choice for this month. So I'm assuming that means you love this movie. I actually already know a lot of Carla's opinions on this movie. But But what are your thoughts on Christian Bale's performance and the character Dan Evans? I love him. I love him. I love him so much. I love Christian Bale as Dan Evans. I love Dan Evans as Christian Bale. I love Dan Bale and Christian Evans. (laughs) And every combination they're in and they're of. The reason that I, that I love this movie so much, even though I'm not a huge fan of Westerns and I'm a definite not huge fan of Russell Crowe. I'm not even a small fan of Russell Crowe, but we'll get to that. But I love the character of Dan Evans. And the way that Christian portrays him is because he he could just be played as somebody who is just such a good guy and flawless and, you know, never done a bad thing in his life. But he is more complicated than that. He has a lot of regrets and he has a lot of hopes. He has this relationship with his wife where he is seeking her approval and, and their children's approval. And not getting any of that. He is basically ridiculed by all the men in the town. And his older son does not respect them almost at all. He's trying desperately to be a provider and to be a protector. And he, I, I think he, he feels deeply emasculated in his life. So I, I think this movie could have been just really one note in somebody else's hands, but because Christian Bale is so talented and so gifted, he brings out all of these amazing layers in Dan Evans, which are very clear and evident in every scene. I, I just, I, I can't tell you how many, how many times I'll watch this movie just for certain scenes and certain looks that he, that he gives. There is such a, such a defeated determination which sounds so contradictory. But when you watch the movie and you see this character, that's what it is, especially towards the end. Not even in the the last few scenes with the shootout and getting 
way to the train, just that hotel scene with the two of them, there is so much power and grace in that performance that I really think it it elevates the movie above a standard Western, in my opinion. And hopefully in many other people's opinions, because honestly, like, I think I'm pretty right about this. <laughs> Throwing that out there. Whoa. So, Paula. So that's a lot there to follow. Now. That, that is a you, lot. You, you know, if you disagree, then you are. Off my show. <laughs> Your show. <laughs> oh, my goodness. This was actually the first time I've seen this. And. I, I am a fan of Westerns. I, I do enjoy a Western movie. But I I agree with everything Carla said. This was this was a really good movie. All of the performances were just so good. And I agree with, you know, this could have been of all of these characters could have been very one note. Especially Dan, I think, because I don't they didn't I don't think they really gave a lot of backstory you know, what's going on with that character and his performance just brought out all of those nuances. And I just, I think it was just really well done and I want to go watch it again because it was so good. I'm so glad you agree. Right. Especially as scenes with, and, and I'm not also, I am also not really a fan of Russell Crowe, but those, their scenes together were just so good. Trying to figure him out the whole time was just, I don't know what's happening, but I'm loving it. <laughs> I'm so glad you agree, because now I don't have to put you on the figurative couch with my husband who does not like this movie. What is wrong with your husband? I'm sorry. I I don't understand either. I don't. I don't understand <laughs> it. This was a great movie. Thank you. Yes. I'm very personally attached to people's opinions of 3 and 2 you want to be perfectly honest. <laughs> I'm glad I could make you happy. You did. Thank you very much. <laughs> uh oh, Aaron. No, I oh, know. No. I'm totally kidding. <laughs> like, I'm get like, off oh, the show. All right. <laughs> Let me just tear up the bail jail because I'm out of here. Because I'm out of here. <laughs> and also, by the way, if you're looking where you can watch this, you can currently watch this on Peacock right now, by the way, just to let everybody know. And I don't know if it's streaming anywhere else, but. I know you can probably rent it. You can rent it on Amazon. Okay, you can rent it on Amazon. Is that how you watch it or something, Paula? Mm-hmm. That's the way you said that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, giving Amazon more of my money is just a... <laughs> I don't know why. I Nobody it, wants to, and yet here we are. And yet we do. But anyway. <laughs> and I didn't know, Paula, that this was your first time watching it, so that's very interesting. I had no idea. You might have said that and I totally spaced it out, but I did not know that. So that's really interesting. But yes, I, you know, I go back and forth on Westerns. Sometimes I like a lot of times they can be boring. It just depends on the Western and who's doing it and who's in it. I think I do really, really like this movie. And a big reason I like this movie, honestly, is, is Christian Bale and, and the character of Dan Evans. And I will say, even though I, too, am not a huge Russell Crowe fan, I do enjoy watching the da- dynamic between Dan Evans and Ben Wade. I do enjoy watching that dynamic. I think it's a really interesting one because it's interesting to watch a character 
like Dan Evans, who really his whole a big part of his motivation is he has like such a low opinion of himself and he's feeling very much like he doesn't know, like he's not a man, I think. And he's not being like a good father. He's not being a good provider. He's at risk of losing his ranch. His son, William, does not respect him at all and talks down to him constantly. And so I think the whole reason he did this thing and the whole reason he wanted to take Ben to the train, not only for the money, but I think a big part of it is to try and get respect from William, his son. And so it's watching a character do that and then a character that, like, then he's up against someone like Ben Wade, who in a lot of instances in the movie, you see that William, his son, actually has respect for Ben. And so that's very hard for him to deal with. But he never, ever, ever loses sight of who he is as a person. Like he never, ever decides to take an easy way out and take the money that Ben Wade offers him at one point, a thousand dollars, which at that time and for him was a ton of money. And he was only getting 200 at this time. And so he never, ever takes him up on that offer. He doesn't even seem like conflicted about it, really. And he never really loses sight of the fact of who Ben Wade is. And I think that's very important where in this movie, it's not like because Ben Wade is a killer and Ben Wade, you know, is not a good guy. And Ben Wade even knows he's not a good guy. He says it. But you never see like you would normally in movies about Westerns usually tend to do when they have characters like Ben Wade, they romanticize that character like they've done it with Billy the Kid for centuries upon centuries. And so they romanticize killers and serial killers and in all honesty and horrible men. And they kind of romanticize who they were. And lawmen were not necessarily any better, but they romanticize them a lot in Westerns. And they don't really, at least in my opinion, romanticize Ben Wade. And they definitely don't romanticize Charlie Prince. They very much show how dangerous these men are. And even though Ben, I think, gets taken in by Dan, you never see Dan get taken in by Ben in the same way. And I always will appreciate that about this movie. And that's because that's not what this movie is about. This movie is not necessarily about their relationship, even though that's a very interesting dynamic. It's about fathers and sons. And it's about trying to get respect from your child and also showing your child that there is more to me than you think. And you are not, you don't know everything in my life and where I've gotten to. And Christian does a really good job in this because I think Christian Bale, a lot of times, just it's very rare that he plays characters like this where they are not the bad guy or the very, you know, questionable morals. He's playing a good guy. And that's actually pretty rare for Christian to play that. And in something like this, normally you would have seen him actually cast as Ben Wade or one of the other people, or he would have been a lot more kind of like you wouldn't, you were not sure if he's a good guy or a bad guy kind of thing. And it's a very quiet performance. There's a lot of internalization in this performance. There's a lot of stuff that he does just with his eyes. And he has a line and you see it in the way he, his gait, in the way his eyes look. But he has a line where basically saying no one can have a lower opinion of myself than me. And it's heartbreaking line. And he says it to his wife. And it's just, 
That's how you can sum up this character. And you see that in his eyes. And it's heartbreaking that you're never quite sure if he realizes that in the end, his son grows to really respect and love him and appreciate him. And I'm not positive if he ever got to really know that. And that's, to me, one of the tragedies in this movie is that he may have not gotten to know that. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. So I touched on it a little bit, but what are your thoughts, Carla, Dan, and Ben's dynamic in this? It's so interesting because like you pointed out, there's a turning point at which Ben comes to really admire and respect Dan to the point where he, I mean, at the end of the movie, he kills his own crew and gets himself on the train where he could have escaped with his people and been like, you know, peace out of here. But he he not only came to respect Dan, but more the kind the the whole just everything that he stood for of having integrity and and being a real full human who knows who he is. And I think that that kind of the the point that they were trying to make about Ben Wade is that he he was defined by these actions for which we are not given any real context or explanation other than, you know, his mom left him reading a Bible when he was little. And now he has this black gun with a cross on the handle. And that's all we really know. So maybe it's a thing of like, you know, coming back to those pious roots in a way. But there, there isn't a man who is who better exemplifies being a good human than Dan. And he sees this in every dealing with him. He is absolutely steadfast in not falling for Ben's charms and his attempts to buy him off. And I mean, it certainly doesn't help that he flirts with his wife in front of him, you know, and that he is idolized by his son where he, where he himself is kind of despised by him. But like beyond that, I, I think he just really, at the same time, doesn't get Dan and also sees through him completely. And where seeing through somebody usually means they can see all of your flaws and your mistakes, he sees through Dan's own self-deprecation and self-loathing to a man who's truly worthy of having everything that he deserves. So when, and to me, it's, you know, completely outlandish that his crew goes through all of this effort to rescue him and all of that, and then he kills them all. But again, the fact that Charlie kills, you know, he shoots Dan and Dan is mortally wounded. And that stirs something up in Ben where he's like, that is so unfair. You know, like, why can't life be fair? Why was I left behind by my mother why doesn't somebody as good as dan 
get to have the life that he should get to have? Why is everything so awful? You know, why does God allow these things? So in his own way, he kind of takes that power back and says, like, I'm God now, so I'm going to destroy the thing that is destroying the good in the world, which is why I think he kills his people and surrenders himself into the train. And where Dan is concerned in his reading of Ben, he just sees him as a shyster, you know, somebody who who talks slickly and who can weasel his way out of things, whether by force or by charm. And he never falls for it. I personally do think that there was a point at which when when Ben tells him, I'll give you, you know, I'll double what, what you're being offered. The 200 will make it 400. And Dan's like, wow, wouldn't that be nice? But not in a sense where he's like, oh, I'm, oh, I'm, I'm tempted. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm even the garden and here's a snake. It, it, it's more like, man, wouldn't that be nice if things were be, could be that simple? And the more that, that Wade ups the, the ante, the more he's like, this is, it's, you're putting it, you're putting this even more out of reach for me because like he rightly says, how, you know, how am I going to get this money from you? How am I going to go home and tell people, oh, I failed in my mission, but suddenly I can afford all these things? Like, that's unrealistic. And he's just, a, Dan is just a pragmatist. And Ben is a dreamer and a schemer. So I think that all of those things make for a very fascinating dynamic between the two of them, particularly because William show so much bravery and so much fortitude by following them, by not letting up when Dan tells him go home, all of these things. It also adds to Dan's own mystique because, you know, how did such a humble person who seems, you know, to be so afraid of everybody until he snaps and says, okay, I need to just do this. How does he raise somebody that ballsy, you know? And so I, I think it only helps Dan's case and Ben's eyes in painting this picture of a fascinating man. And like he was t- telling, I forget the, the character's name when they were on the road. And he's like, man, you're boring. Like, stop talking to me. Like, everything you're telling me, boring me to hell. But this very simple rancher is holding all of his attention throughout the entire trip to the point where he paints him like one of his French girls. <laughs> it's true (laughs) so paula so my my first impressions of ben wade was he was a dangerous man obviously you know he he had no qualms about killing people doing bad things stealing from the real world all these things but it almost seemed like he had a particular mission in mind and he didn't do things just to be unnecessarily cruel because you know at the beginning you had dan and his boys they witnessed everything that was happening with that stagecoach and they could have just killed them right then and there no witnesses nothing but all they did was take their horses and even told them you know we're going to leave them on the road to was it brisby sure enough they found the horses as they were walking into town they could have killed them. They could have, you know, taken the horses, gone. It's, it also seemed like there was a bit of an arrogance to to Ben that, you know, almost like he was untouchable. Like, no matter what, even if he got caught, you know, 
he, he, he'd get away, which he even said, you know, he'd been to Yuma twice already and he'd already escaped. And at the very end, he gets on the train, goes to Yuma, and then he whistles for his horse. So it kind of left it where, you know, he's going to escape again, obviously. It was interesting to see how he interacted with with Dan and then with the people around him. It was like Dan fascinated him. And it was like he almost, it, it seemed to me that he wanted to see how this was going to play out. Once he got caught, okay, let's just kind of go along with this and see what happens. And he would try to egg Dan on to take a bribe, let me go, what's he going to do? It seemed like a lot of a lot of the interaction was kind of testing him, seeing how this was going to play out. And then I I think yes, he he did kind of he did grow to respect him. You know, at the end when Charlie shot Dan, he didn't want that to happen. He he yelled no, and it happened anyway. And I I, I agree with what you said, Carla. Where it, you know it was it wasn't fair. He didn't want this to happen to this this decent man who's just trying to provide for his family, really, trying to save his farm from the railroad. And he's now working for the railroad to to bring, you know, Ben to justice. I don't know, it was it was just it was it was a very interesting dynamic to see played out. It kind of left me guessing what's what exactly is he doing? You know, why is he doing this? You know, why is he because it seemed to me like he could he could have gotten away at any time if he really wanted to, but he just he didn't. And Dan's he did have this very defeatist attitude. You know, he he knew he wasn't respected by anybody. And this was you know the the last ditch effort to save not just his farm but his family because this his youngest son was ill. He had tuberculosis, and if they had to leave that ranch. You know, they didn't have anywhere to go, and that could definitely be detrimental to his son's health. It could ultimately end up killing him if if they couldn't stay where they were. So there was definitely a desperation, not just to gain respect from people, but to to keep his family intact. You know, to save his son. It was just good performances all around. Yeah, I mean, I think with the Ben Wade character, what I think is interesting is you know with go- going to going to what you were saying Paula a little bit about how well he doesn't do what you know he doesn't kill them there and he doesn't do what you think he's going to do and he doesn't he's you know not always just straight away killing people I don't think he's a good guy but I think what's interesting about this is it's showing like the dynamics of a person and how the different facets of a character and how complex they are and you know, when he kills, I had his name right there. When he kills, I believe it was Tucker. Was that Tucker? Was it Tucker in the camps when they're at the campsite? Oh, that awful him. man. Yes. But the killing of him, though, I want to say, if, if you if you doubt that Ben is a good, is a bad guy and does bad things and likes killing, the way he kills him and the sounds of the way he kills him are really brutal. That's really a brutal. They don't show it, but you hear the stabbing and the slicing of flesh basically. And that's a very brutal even though I hated that character, it still is a very brutal and cruel and up close and personal way to kill someone. 
And so that right there can tell you this is a very violent person who not only is a killer, but in my opinion, when you kill people like that, to me, it's almost you enjoy that act of the killing. And so I thought it was very important that they had that scene in there to show that you might be being charmed by this guy right now because, uh, you know, there were moments like right before that where you might have laughed at stuff he said, you find him charming. But let's remind you, this is a very violent person. And if he doesn't like you or feels you're a threat and he doesn't have respect for you, that's the big key word, I think, with him too, he will kill you. He could kill you. And I think it shows that. And I think the reason he's so different with Dan is I think with all the testing, he tests him to see he's trying to see if Dan is like the other people that have captured him before. And also like the people that are taking him, like the Marshall and Peter Fonda's character and everything like that. So he's trying to see if they are like them. And that's why he does all this testing. And he finds out very quickly that Dan really isn't. Dan is kind of an outsider himself. And I think that's why Ben likes Dan is he starts to realize Dan is doing this because he needs to do this to help not only provide for his family, but to also prove to himself and to his son that he is worthy of the life that he, of his life, that he is worthy of being a father, of being a husband, that he has stuff to offer. And so once he realizes that and sees that, he's like, I really don't want this person to die and I am going to let him. I mean, in the end, he basically does let him take him to the train. There's no doubt in my mind he is going along with that and they're working together to get him there. And he's him saying, you did it. Well, you did it, Dan. You did it. And he's proud of him, even though in the end, you know, (laughs) it seems like Ben maybe is changing or turning over a new leaf, but he's not. He's just, you know, like, oh, I'm still going to get away because I'm calling my horse and I'm still going to escape. But I wanted to give Dan this so that Dan could see that he is a worthy human being and that he's a good man. And so I think that was kind of like one of those moments when he, when Ben could be a humanitarian or be not a humanitarian. That's the wrong word. <laughs> I'm like, show his humanity is what I meant to say. <laughs> he's not a humanitarian. I am. Oh, no. But he could show a little bit of humanity there and a little bit of empathy and a little bit of, you know, other than cockiness. He could kind of set that aside. And, you know, I said I don't really like Russell Crowe and I don't. But I do want to say I think Russell Crowe is really fabulous in this movie. I do think his performance is really good and it it has to be in order for this movie, for this movie to work, frankly. And I think... When Dan is murdered, the true remorse and true sorrow that you see in Ben's eyes, that's real. And Ben is very upset. And then you see in his eyes that switch to pure anger and pure hatred. And when he kills Charlie, that is like this, like there is so much anger behind that. And so much betrayal in a lot of respects, too. And so much like, 
you know what, I may be a son of a bitch, but I'm not going to be as big of a son of a bitch as you are kind of thing, almost in a way. And so, yeah, so it's a very interesting performance and I love the dynamic. And I think for Dan, I don't think he ever really necessarily grows to like Ben, but I think he grows to kind of find himself through Ben, like, because he's the only one that can end up like, that doesn't like leave like all the others when the town town is gonna try and hunt them down when they're in that hotel and dan is the only one that's like no i'm not gonna do that and i think because ben is showing some respect for dan there's a part of dan that kind of that loves that and grows to respect himself a little bit through this relationship and through the fact that all these other people weren't able to do it and he was able to do it and how proud he is of himself. It's just heartbreaking that he dies <laughs> because of it, but it's but yeah. still. That it's was dead. such a tragedy. And so viciously, man. Mm. I'm like, that's enough. You don't have to shoot him anymore. You've shot him like, you know, 20 times. I, that's yeah. not as many, but it felt like that. So Carla, are there any other characters or relationships you want to point out? Why, yes. Yes, there are. I want to talk for a moment about Dan and William, which we've talked about them already a bit. But this is, for lack of a better word, an exciting time in that era for for young kids who have, you know, fantastical aspirations. And, you know, living dirt poor with a very ill brother in a ranch that is failing spectacularly with a father who is injured and who seems to you as a teenager to be a bit of a, of a pushover. And it, also with the expectations that were had of boys in that time of where you're, you know, and in that era, area where you are preparing to be a man. He's 14, but he's you know, preparing to be a man. And even at the end of the movie, Dan says to him that, you know, he, he wants William to go home and to be the man that he has shown that he is. So there's all of that. And so William's escape is the dime store novels that glorify outlaws and that say, oh, hey, I know that a lot of people have been killed by these guys and that they're up and in lights everywhere, but aren't they kind of also cool? Like, come on, they're also a little bit cool. So I, I think that he, he is, you know, swayed by that the same way that, you know, influencers these days sway kids into thinking that, oh, aren't I cool making all of these millions of dollars doing, you know, pranks and videos, you know, like, like Mr. Beast is a very soft outlaw, <laughs> but it, it's the kind the kind of thing more in the sense of influencing boys and young men in particular. And he's also running up against the fact that he's a teenager and he is like teenagers often are at odds with their parents because they're trying to separate themselves from their parents and become independent and grown up so it's like that very difficult age because he's 14 it's a very difficult difficult age to begin with and the way that he leans is towards blaming his father for everything that's going on 
And in a sense, you can kind of see where, see from his perspective, because he sees his father kind of, you know, bowing his head to these people who treat him poorly and who are, you know, burning their barn and he doesn't really seem to be fighting back. He doesn't understand Dan's reasonings for that or his motives or why Dan won't just give up and find some other source of income. But that's not for a 14 year old to really reason. 14 year olds are not exactly known for their amazing reasoning capabilities. And I don't say that as a dig on them. It's just they're going through a lot that isn't seen on the surface. And I think that this movie, it, it's a Western. It's not an exploration of the inner workings of a teenage child. It, that's not what the movie is there for. But I, I think in looking at it that way, it makes more sense that he would see Ben Wade as a, like, as a real man. You know, he's a man who's taking action and who, who is a leader and who has people at his beck and call and people who are, you know, laying down their lives for him. And meanwhile, his dad can't even save his own cattle and his own horses. So his relationship with with his father is, I think, a very standard relationship. I don't think that there's anything extraordinary about William having a distaste for the way his father approaches life. I think that is like the most teenage thing you can have. I think if, if this movie were set in a different era, maybe, you know, Dan would be an office worker and William would be the disappointed son who you know, who is kind of mad that dad won't stand up to his overbearing boss or something like that. It, my point is that these Dan William relationships are just so common. And I like that it's portrayed as such a common relationship. There's nothing extraordinary about it except for the way that, that these actors work together on screen. Because a lot of it comes down to that relationship could be very boring, but it is, made watchable by the interactions between the two performers. And yes, there's so much excitement because there are guns and there are horses and there are mountains and you know there's a train and all of this, you know, big type Western stuff. I, I, I like the the fact that it's such a mundane thing in such a heightened experience. And with William being so gutsy because it's one thing for, you know, for a teenager to be like, Dad, I'm going to get in your car. I'm going to come with you. And we're going to do, you know, I don't know, deliver this, this thumb drive or something like that. That's like a very modern thing. But he is putting his life on the line in a very real way where he may not come back. And I don't think, again, 14 year olds, not the most, you know, frontal cortex thinking people on the planet. But I do think that William is is at least smart enough to know that he is truly endangering himself. Like, this isn't some small thing where it's like, I'll be fine. You know, yes, kids jump off pools and jump off roofs into pools all the time. But this is different because, yeah, it, it's just very different. So there is an extraordinary, extraordinary amount of bravery on his side. And I think that, again, because in these times in particular, 14-year-old boys are not just 14-year-old boys. They are basically young men, but they're expected to behave like men in the way that the stereotypical, you know, provider-protector 
type of man is expected to behave. And he thinks, well, my dad can't do it. I'm going to step in and do it for him. And yes, there is that resentment and that anger, but I think that, that he's also trying to protect his father because he sees his father as vulnerable, in part because of his, of his disability, but also because he just doesn't see his father as capable. So he thinks, well, now I have to do it because I am becoming a man and that is my job. So I, I think all of those mundane things, but in this heightened setting, make it all the more interesting of a relationship to to have portrayed in this movie. William was the was the one I was going to mention too because I found it interesting. Normally, when you see the father son dynamics, especially in a in a, a movie like this, it's it's more of the the son is trying to prove himself to his father rather than the other way around, and a lot of times those types of tropes kind of annoy me because you have this child because he is a child trying to prove himself in a very dangerous way and just ends up getting himself into trouble and that didn't happen in this movie and those kind of things just drive me crazy in a movie where it's you know it's just one thing after another the kid's just getting in trouble and then has to be saved so i i like the fact that yes even though he was putting himself in danger he was he was understanding that that's you know, that he's putting himself in that situation, but he was also capable. He wasn't getting himself into into trouble more than he already was with, you know, the the gang coming to, to save Ben Wade. But he wasn't drawing focus away from the task that they were trying to complete. He was actually a part of the group and helping and, and you know, and, and a fully functioning, you know, member of that group that was taking him to the to the train station. So that was that was kind of a nice change to see that. Yeah, so so it's it's an interesting dynamic when you when you have that flipped where it's it's the father trying to earn the son's respect instead of the son trying to earn the father's, which is normally how these types of stories go in, in, in those kinds of relationships. So that was that was an interesting interesting thing with that movie. I love that observation. Absolutely, you're spot on. Yeah. I'll just very briefly talk about Charlie Prince, Ben Ben Foster's character. And the only reason I'm bringing his character up is this is someone who I think in the end, I I, I think he really, really looks up to Ben and looks up to Ben Wade and wants to be Ben. And I think in the end, he really did think he was helping Ben. But I think there was another part of him. That was when he was watching Ben towards the end and he was like, wait a minute, it looks like he's almost working with Dan, like he's almost okay with this. And I think part of the, and this just goes to how totally like a psychopath he is, but I think he sees that and he has this jealousy and this envy there. And I think part of the reason he butchers Dan and shoots him so many different times is because of that anger because he's like you're you're trying to take this person who I look up to who I admire who I want to be like and you're trying to turn him to be good or to your side and I think there was a part of him in that instance when he killed him that felt that sheer disappointment in Ben and then uh, and then so he turned that into anger at Dan and then in the end when he knows he's going to be killed by Ben and he knows Ben's going to kill him 
you see this brief little moment where you see in his eyes of like heartbreak in this weird moment, but then it immediately switches over. It immediately switches over to no, no, I actually know what I'm doing. You've forgotten. You've lost your way. And it's immediately turns to bravado because for a brief second, it's like heartbreak of, oh my gosh, my idol and my hero and my practically big brother, maybe even a father figure is, you could even like say there's kind of a father-son dynamic there if you wanted to look at it too and kind of parallel it in a in a very different way, but to Dan and William. And so it's that moment of pure like hurt and heartbreak. And then he's like, nah, can't be that. So he turns it and becomes that cold killing killer that he was before and that psychopath that he not was before, but you know what I mean? Like before he had any kind of heartbreak. So yeah, it's an interesting moment. That's just it. It's it's that father-child relationship where it's very one-sided because yeah. only Charlie is seeing it that way. Ben is taking advantage of that using that for for Charlie's loyalty, but Ben doesn't ultimately really care about anyone. I mean, he he respects Stan and he sees something in him, but I don't think that is the kind of thing where I, I mean, obviously if it were between himself and Dan, he would choose himself. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think he's gonna dwell too long on Dan's death, to be honest. Right. No, he already seemed like he was starting to be okay. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, oh, over well, That happened. Okay. <laughs> and that's just kind of the who he is. He doesn't develop attachments to people. Right. And it's the only way he can survive yeah. in, in the world. And so Charlie is has very much developed an attachment to Ben. And Ben does not have any attachment to Charlie. And you can really tell that because he has no, not one second of hesitation in killing him. He doesn't feel conflicted about it. You see no conflict there. There's never like this moment of like, he was like a son to me. I can't kill him. It's more like, well, I kind of will be relieved not to have to deal with you anymore. There's almost right. that kind there. And the same with the rest of his gang there. He kills all of them. He doesn't just kill Charlie. He kills all of them because it's because he does because he knows they'll try and kill him. But and, and that's the whole thing is he doesn't have any real feeling for any of these people and the only in the movie and the only person he gets sort of close to feeling any kind of thing for is Dan. But that's such short lived thing. And it's, you know, because he's Ben is just a very much, you know, he's probably more like a sociopath than a psychopath, but he's very he's very much into himself. He's very, he's a narcissist. And mm-hmm. so his whole world is about himself. but. But I just think the Charlie character is just interesting when you look at it with the father-son dynamic. And like you said, Carla, a very one-sided father-son with dynamic. But yeah, that's why I think this movie really is about fathers and sons and that relationship. Hello, it is Ryan. And we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> it's that time now. Howdy, ladies. Oh, my goodness. Howdy, Christian. Thank you for greeting me properly. 
I did the hot tip and everything, as you can see. Very proper. Thank you, thank you. I, I did study very hard for this role. I studied how to say howdy. I studied the whole horse riding thing, which was very, very complicated. I did not really get to wear much of a hat for much of the movie. However, I did find him quite stylish. And I did buy one for myself as a treat. Oh, and you brought it with you? Yes, I did. I brought it with me all the way from home to Carla's home. Yes, and did, were you wearing that when you showed up at her door at like 2.30 in the morning, like you said last Oh, 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 oh. Don't be silly. I had it parked away. I wanted to surprise everybody. And now I have. You definitely have. So now you said you practiced saying howdy. You didn't, your character, Dan Evans, did not say howdy once in this movie that I remember. Were you very disappointed by that? Erin, we have to stop for a second. We must stop for a second. Yes, and get very serious about this. Because, as you know, often in film, things are left out. It is a process called editing. So while I did say many a howdy, it was all cut from the final film. That's a travesty. I agree. Thank you, Paula, for agreeing with me. Yeah, I, and I have to say, Christian, that, that that hat is very interesting with your serious face and your hand gesture there. Oh, but don't I wear it well? Oh, my. <laughs> That's your migraine look. <laughs> it is my migraine look. However, it's, also, it's a very versatile face that I'm making here. This is my migraine face. It is also my, don't I look quite dashing in this hat face? You do look quite dashing in it. And it's also Very the dashing. loving your hair look. Because you yeah. love your hair. You're very I do. Thank yeah. you for remembering. <laughs> <laughs> I remember everything about you, Christian. I don't mean that to sound creepy, but it's... <laughs> well, and unfortunately, it does sound a bit creepy, but I forgive you. Well, thank you. Thank you so much. So I want to ask you, so you did a lot of preparing... For this role, of course, because you always do. I have a thing when I'm watching these movies, and I'm always obsessed with the fact that nobody ever bathed really back then. I'm hoping you bathed. You didn't like forgo that, did you? Well, you do know I like to immerse myself in the world of my characters. So I would often do a quick creek bath. That is what I call them quick creek baths. And what that really means is that I would go to the sink with a washcloth because there were not many creeks readily available. However, there were sinks galore. Ooh, Christian. <laughs> oh, no, Eden. No, no, no. Please, do not be alarmed. <laughs> Please, do not be alarmed. It is quite all right. Okay, so was it, it wasn't quite like a, as they... Like, you weren't just, like, putting on a bunch of aftershave and that's it. You actually... Oh, no, of course not. There was water, there was soap, there was a washcloth involved. Just a... I tried, I tried to bathe much like they might have bathed in the way back then. Wow. So, how was it working with Russell Crowe, since you had so many scenes with Russell Crowe? What was that? Was that like... Because he's Australian, you're Welsh. Whoa! <laughs> <laughs> Oh my gosh, wow, hmm. okay. Spill the tea, um, No, I shall not slander a fellow actor in Hollywood who is not of the States and who also has an accent. No, I shan't do that. However, 
I will say that I was delighted that there was not much singing on set. Burn, Christian. My, my. Oh, only because, only because I really wanted to not be distracted. I wanted to focus on Dan Evans, who would probably not sing very much. And, uh, yeah, that's, that's, that's exactly what I mean. So you say Dan Evans wouldn't sing very much, but if Dan Evans were to sing, like they're around the campfire, you know, and just like maybe he's had a little bit of whiskey, what would Dan Evans sing? Well, I think there are only a couple of, no, I will say there are three songs that Dan Evans would sing. The first would be Bon Jovi's Santa Fe. From the soundtrack of the hit movie Young Guns 2. <laughs> I knew you were going to say that because if everybody doesn't know, John Bon Jovi, that role is Christian's dream role. And he auditioned. Yes, it is. Here, so. Thank you for remembering, ma'am. <laughs> you do that so well, Christian. Thank you. <laughs> I am glad to see that my skills have not gone to waste. So... Uh, you loved doing this movie. Oh, but one moment. I did not tell you the other oh, songs. Sorry. sorry. Go ahead. Sorry. Oh, <laughs> my goodness. The other song would, of course, be Ways of Glory, also by Bon Jovi, also from the soundtrack to the hit movie Young Guns 2. And the third song would go a little something like, It's a little wild and a little strange. When you play a ranger on the range. Have you heard it before? It have you heard familiar. it before? It sounds a little familiar. Oh, how delightful. Little, I have to ask you then, Christian. I know, like, maybe people would be shocked if you answer yes to this, but were you a fan of the show, Hey Dude? I have never watched an episode in my life. However, Carla sings the song constantly. Therefore, I am now an absolute expert in that song and nothing else about that show. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 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 oh. I too am delighted by that fact. That's hilarious. Christian, I do because it was officially announced today. I, I have to say, and I'm very excited about this. Congratulations. It's official. You're going to be in the movie written and directed by Maggie Gyllenhaal. It's going to be a new take on The Bride of Frankenstein, basically. So how exciting is that? You're going to be with Jesse Buckley, Penelope Cruz, Peter Sarsgaard, and Annette Bening. How excited are you? I am quite excited. For you see, Maggie is in my top two of my favorite Gyllenhaals on the planet Earth. I am ever so excited to work with her and with all the wonderful people that you mentioned. And the story would be, I, I, as you know, Erin, and as you have commented many times, I am not in enough romantic movies. And there's a story of a man searching for love in perhaps all the wrong places. However, it's, just, it's still romance. So, you know, take it. So, you know, take it. <laughs> be happy. Yes. Just take it. Hats off. Yes, yes. Well, thank you so much, Christian, again, for talking about it. And congratulations on the movie, because I really am excited. Thank you. Thank you. I, too, am quite excited. Yes, Peter Sarsgaard is one of my absolute favorite actors. So oh, is he now? 
well, you are like a way above him. But... Oh, great. Oh, good. Good, good, good. Just no reason. Just double checking. Double checking. Of course. Of course. You know me. I like to be thorough. <laughs> you do. Yeah. I'm just still thinking of the sink baths. But anyway. <laughs> but yes, but I'll be very excited to see you working alongside one of my favorite actors. So. Yay. Yay for the both of us. <laughs> well, ladies, it's been a wonderful evening. I must bid you adieu or unhowdy. Unhowdy. Thank you. <laughs> unhowdy to you and to you. Good night. Good night. Good night. Well, d- did anyone else do a six degrees of Finwit Rock? I did. Oh. I did. Paula gets to stay in the club. <laughs> Yes, you're back in. I'm back. (laughs) So, Paula, and remember, you cannot use the big short because they were in that. Did you use the big short? All of a sudden, you're looking like you did not. I did not. Okay. I did not. I I double checked just to make sure. (laughs) (laughs) So, how did you connect Mr. Finwit Rock to 310 to Yuma? So, Russell Crowe is in 310 to Yuma was also in the Justice League with Ben Affleck, who was in the Snail Propaganda movie, Deep Water with Finn Whitrock. Excellent! Oh, that. Yay! <laughs> you can still get It's a Snail thing. <laughs> <laughs> no one has bought one of those. I'm not embarrassed to admit that because I would be kind of shocked. <laughs> I'm telling you, you, you need to advertise it to people who are in like snail-liking clubs or in... Crawly thing clubs. I don't know what they're called. I I don't know either, but yes. I'm sure they exist somewhere. (laughs) I'm sure. There's something for everything, okay? There's there's people that study those types of things. Yes. Yeah. Crawling things. Yes. Yes. I mean, that's Ben Affleck's character was obsessed with them, so there has to be. (laughs) Well, good. I liked that connection, and we haven't used deep water in a while. Well, I also used Russell Crowe. I went a very, very easy route here, but Russell Crowe was in the movie The Nice Guys with Ryan Gosling, which I love that movie because Ryan Gosling is so flippin' hilarious in that movie. His physical comedy in that is just great. And Ryan Gosling was in a movie called La La Land, and Finn Whitrock is also in La La Land. Finn Whitrock does not sing in that movie, just let everybody know. I don't, I don't know why I'm saying that like you're worried or scared. <laughs> don't worry. It's okay. Fear not. He does yeah. not do the singing. No offense, Finn. We love you. <laughs> and speaking of Finn Whitrock, I do want to put it out there that Finn is part of, just a part of, the movie Origin, which is not getting any attention, even though it's supposed to be absolutely fantastic. But we are going to do some sort of special coverage of that when it opens wide and we're able to see it. And it's I don't know who in my Finn crew is going to be there. And we might have a special guest, but I'm not. Nothing's confirmed yet. Let you know more information to come soon on that. And Finn does have another movie coming out this year that's supposed to be coming out. He has a short, too. So he's really busy. So we'll be doing some special coverage. I don't know if there'll be live stream only or how that's going to work of some of the Finn content we have coming our way. But we're going to go ahead and wrap up this episode. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, I'm so sorry. It's just that I forgot to mention a couple of things. 
I just want to shout out both Alan Tudyk's and Ben Foster's performances. I think that they are both very talented actors. Ben Foster is in is kind of pigeonholed in a very specific kind of role type. And Alan Tudyk is just a delight. And I was so like, like every time that I watch the movie, I forget that he's in it. And I'm like, Adam Tudyk, Alan Tudyk is in it. And it makes me happy. So, yeah. <laughs> awesome. Thank you. Yes, yes, I agree. So we're going to go ahead and close out this episode. And I'm going to go around and have my lovely panelists say where they can be found and where their podcasts can be found. So Carla from Bedwetter Behead Pod which they did, as we have already mentioned a couple times, and you're probably like, shut up about it already. <laughs> but they did a Christian Bale episode that I was on. So go listen to that. And also a great array of their past catalog of shows. So where can you be found, Carla? Thank you, Erin. You can find Bedwetter Behead Podcast wherever you find this podcast. And also, like Erin said, we have a huge catalog of amazing wonderful episodes we do we did a lot of supernatural and the office and there's also cool stuff like battlestar galactica and horror hunks which you have to just listen to it and just go along for the ride it is phenomenal it is a hoot it's a great time and yeah two besties lots of alcohol and strong opinions can never miss you can find our social media look for bedwetter bed podcast wherever you find your social media interesting and places that you don't, we may or may not be there. Follow us anyway. Look for us. Just, you know, do the work. It's not that hard. You can also find me. I'm kidding. But just look for Bed Warrior Open Head Podcast. Like, there's one of us, and we're pretty awesome. You can look for me, my art, and my musings on Instagram and TikTok at Carlatemis or my website, carlatemis.com. That's C-A-R-L-A-T-E-M-I-S dot com. Awesome. Thank you. And I was just thinking. You probably won't be able to find them on AOL, but I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah, let me just go and make an AAM chat group for that. Let me travel back in time. Wow. We should do that for all our podcasts. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I don't even know if you can do that, but hey. <laughs> I would love to. That would be a hoot. Yes. Right? So, pa Paula, other than AOL... <laughs> hey, hey paula where can they find you <laughs> you can find me personally at it's my sandbox on all the social media sites i i'm there i i retweet things i don't really put a whole lot out but i'm there i'm on twitch at my gamertag artemis 75 that's a-r-t-e-m-i-s-z 75 don't forget we have a discord for it's a fandom thing we're all there Thank you you can come tell us all your opinions on 310 to yuma and christian bale and all of that. And then Aaron and Susan and I, we have a new podcast coming out. It's a Dean thing. You can find that on It's a Dean Thing Pod on all the social media sites. The trailer is coming out on January 24th, Dean's birthday. And the first episode drops at February 1st. We're very excited. Yay. Yes, we are very, very excited. So, yes. So follow us everywhere. We are even on Blue Sky Social. This podcast isn't on Blue Sky Social, but it's a deep thing. We are everywhere. <laughs> We're even under your bed. <laughs> <laughs> oh, see, Fergie is like, yeah. Yes, yes, yes. we are. Fergie likes that. <laughs> yeah. She's like, I like that. Yes. She was, Fergie was not really into 310 to Yuma, I want to say. 
I'm sorry for you. Not enough murders for you. I think that's what it apparently <laughs> not. It's like there's too much talking in this. Um, you know, I'm sad to say probably her favorite scene was when Dan is murdered, but <laughs> not a surprise, to be perfectly honest. It's really yes. not. Yes. It's like, it's finally, my kind of drama. My kind of drama. But, you know, for more antics from Fergie, go follow her on TikTok at Schroeder and Fergs. That's S-C-H-R-O-E-D-E-R-A-N-D-F-E-R-G-S. It's long, but it's worth it. Be sure to like the show on Facebook at Facebook.com slash It's a Fandom Thing Pod. On Twitter at Fandom Thing Pod. No, it's in that one. On Instagram, threads, TikTok, Instagram, and threads. You can find us under It's a Fandom Thing Pod. If you have any feedback, show notes, if you'd like to be a potential interview guest, member, Christian, I'd drop everything for you. Everything, including these two. Fair. <laughs> Paula's like, fair, Carly. Fair. Hey. <laughs> Ma'am, how dare you? <laughs> but, you know, Christian, I would love to have you on. And after the butterflies subsided in my tummy, I would just love to talk to you about your craft and then end it by asking you if you like marshmallows because <laughs> these are the important questions yes yes and if you laugh i will know you have listened to us maybe you'll laugh anyway just because you'll be like this is the silliest question i've ever been asked. <laughs> okay. and watch him say i hate marshmallows <laughs> no maybe don't ask him after all i don't think my heart could take it oh <laughs> But anyway, feel free to reach out to us via our website. It's a fandomthingpod.com. Click the contact us button there. That'll shoot me an email and I'll get back to you as soon as I can. And while you're there, consider becoming a Patreon supporter for as little as three bucks a month. You get great bonus content. You get ad free episodes. Stick it to the man. <laughs> like they say in Empire Records. Um, <laughs> We do have a bonus Christian Bale episode from last year, but we have a lot of great bonus content up there, including probably by this time, me reacting instantly after I watch it to California with a K, because that was the random movie that I got off of IMDb. So that's the one I watched. So yes, that'll be, I'm just, I haven't watched it yet by the time we're when we're recording this. So I'm just thinking future me, how's future me going to take this movie that young teen me loved let me see if future me loves it we'll see and next week we are i cannot believe i'm saying this we are closing out christian bale month we just flipping started this what the fuck this this january is going too fast unlike all of the januaries it really is and i'm a little scared that that means the rest of the year is just going to be gone like that What's happening? Wait a minute. What the heck? How are we already on the last Christian Bale episode? What the hell? But we are wrapping things up with Public Enemies and Carla will be joining me. And so will one of Christian Bale's (laughs) co-stars, Meg. (laughs) So we get to hear about Meg's time on the set of Public Enemies. So it'll be a blast. And Christian, of course, will be back as well. Hopefully, unless Carla ends up kicking him out. Uh, I don't know. Who knows with that man? You never know. <laughs> exactly. Know. Still can't believe he showed up on your doorstep at that time. I, mean, I know. So rude. Very rude. <laughs> I would be like, no, I, I know I said I'd drop everything for you, Christian. 
maybe, maybe not, not at 2.30 in the morning. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah I, that, there's a caveat right there. I'll, everything else I'll drop, but not at Not sleep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So thank you, Carla and Paula, for joining me. And thank you, Christian, for stopping by as well. It's always lovely to see you in your cowboy hat, especially. So until next time, remember, it's a fandom thing. Black Lives Matter and Stop Asian Hate. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply at LifeMD.com. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications through LifeMD? LifeMD is now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. You just take your shot. It doesn't feel like you're on a diet. What I wasn't expecting it to do was to shut off the food noise. This was life-altering, and if I can do it, I feel like anybody can do it. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com.